The Garden Report is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Josie Pavone, he is H. Sherrod Blakely. We got Bobby Manning going to join us in a little bit. Uh, we'll see what he gets from uh, Christos Porzingis and Peyton Pritchard. They're going to uh, approach the podium soon, but we don't want to leave you guys hanging. Right, Sherrod? We want to make sure... We give you guys that content that you guys love so much. I mean, it's the first look at this Celtics team, so we'll give you the good, the bad, and, of course, the ugly. Uh, Sherrod, what, what do you make of this first uh, this first matchup? I mean, the Celtics win, that's not that's not always what matters in preseason, right? 114 to 106 is your final score. But uh, what do you what do you make of this team so far after the first the first glimpse of this well, Celtics roster? Yeah, well, let's just get out the way that it, it really isn't about winning and losing in a preseason. It's about right. how are they playing. Are they able to execute in the roles in the preseason that you anticipate that they'll have in the regular season. That's for me, that's what I looked for. And this was a good this was a good performance for the Celtics. I thought Peyton Pritchard decided to bring Pro Am Peyton to the building. Yeah, he uh, did. Peyton got paid and so then he showed you why he got paid. This was it's, wrong. This it's was, not even August. It's not August. It's not July. This is this is a preseason game, but we've I don't know man. The way Pritchard looked he looked different this time man. Well I, he looks like somebody who's comfortable and confident and he's not looking over his shoulder. Um, mm. I, I think when he had a Marcus Smart and you had, you know, some of the other guys that are no longer here with the Celtics around, Peyton knew when he got on the floor that you probably want to get the hook real quick. But mm. with Holiday is still kind of feeling his way through things, you know, and Derek White is, you know, he's not going to play much in the preseason because you know what he's about. So this mm. was not for Peyton to really show what he could do. And the role that they needed him to play in this game was very similar to the role they're going to need him in the preseason. The offense wasn't looking great. They needed some kind of offensive punch, someone to kind of get, you know, kind of spark them a little bit. And that's what he did. Right. Go back to the first half when he had that four-point play at the very end of the quarter. Things like that, Peyton has the ability to do. For him, it's, so much of this is about developing some form of consistency with his play so that Joe Mazzula and that coaching staff will be confident and comfortable putting him out there uh, with consistency. Absolutely. And uh, he, he finished with a, a game high 26 points and really just turned things around. I feel like when he first checked in, man, game high 26 points with six three pointers, uh, six for 11, four assists. I mean, I felt like he uh, he just found his he found his footing as soon as he checked into the game. I feel like, you know, he got that um, that and one to end the first quarter, that four point play that he completed. And, and this uh, this crowd was behind him, man. I, I'll always love. What I always love about Pritchard the most is that it doesn't matter the situation. He's gonna go. He's gonna go 100. You know what I mean? He just signed this this, this new deal. He just re-signed for, you know, keeping his his spot here in Boston. And it's like he's still playing for another contract. You know what I mean? Like that's what you get out of Pritchard. I love that. Well, I love the fact that now he's actually going to get a chance to play mm. for his next contract. I mean, with the Celtics, essentially, they did him. They did him a solid uh, because if you if you go by his play. He probably didn't deserve that contract, but that the reason he didn't deserve it was because he didn't get an opportunity to prove yeah. he deserved it, and that's what he's getting now. And, and I'm happy for him uh, because I, I still paid for him. I've said this consistently. He's an NBA player. It's just mm-hmm. a matter now: is he a starter for a championship? I don't think so. But right. he is a guy that I do believe. When you're putting together your eight, nine man rotation, he's a guy that I want in there because again, he can make shots. Uh, he has a bulldog like mentality about him. Uh, I love the fact that damn near every time he's in the game, he's he's going he's he's defending you inline to inline. Uh, he mm. doesn't let you be comfortable. Uh, the problem that he has is, is just physics. Uh, he's a six foot six foot one guard at that, and often he's being screens are being set by six nine two seventy cats, and he can't get through them or around them as quickly yeah. as he would want to. And, and again, there's nothing he can do about that. The things that I, I want him to focus on, and I think Joe Mazzulla probably feels the same way, control the things you can control. You can control your shot making. You can control your dribble drive penetration. You can control beating guys off the dribble and finding teammates for open shots. All those things you have at the palm of your hands is just a matter of putting it together at a high level consistently. Because, you know, Peyton Pritchard in Boston will be very different than he would be on damn near any other team. There's only four or five teams, really, where Peyton has to play at a high level just to get on the floor. Most of the teams in the NBA, Peyton just being an average Peyton Pritchard type of game would be good enough to play most nights. But mm. we're talking chip. we're talking about winning a chip, and that requires a different level of consistency in your game 
And this was, again, for Peyton Pritchard, this was a great start. Uh, obviously, at the end of the season, nobody's going to look back and, damn, Peyton dropped 26 in that first preseason game. Nobody's going to give a damn about that. But what Peyton needs to do is use this moment as a building block for the next game and then the next one and then another one. And then you start getting to that DJ Khaled mode. And that's, <laughs> that could be his, I mean, that could be his, his thing if he can be right. able to do that with some type of consistency. Uh, so I'm happy that he got his, got, his, got it going tonight for sure. Yeah, absolutely, man. Same. I'm also happy he got the, he got this uh, extension, man. Four years, thirty million. I mean, that's that's a quality contract for someone that can come off your bench that you could rely on. And I think the Celtics are at that point with Pritchard. You know, they're like, look, this is the position that you're in right now. Uh, everything changed a week ago for for many reasons, right? Uh, bringing in someone like Drew Holiday changes the makeup of this team, but also sending out someone like Malcolm Brogdon. Gabe Pritchard the green light, which he already had, by the way. Like, I, ch- I just want to make that clear because not only has everyone been talking great about Pritchard throughout training camp, but I'm hearing through the grapevine, Gerard, that this happened. This has been going on for weeks before training camp, whether it was the pickup game that they were playing over at the Auerbach Center or whether it was the actual training camp that happened uh, throughout the past you know, three, four days where he's just not only being vocal as a leader, as a point guard, but also – Doing a little trash talking. That's what I'm hearing, Shiraz. That's all I've heard today since I came in here, man. You know, with the with the contract talk, with everyone being like, man, Pritchard, man, Pritchard's been that dude being like, yo, you thought, what you thought you can guard me? Shooting, shooting in people's faces like he did somewhere at the end of this one. Oh, man, like shaking his head being like, you can't guard me, bro. Like, he's been that guy in practice. And I love that. I love that. There, there were rumors about that when he was at Oregon. And, and watching Ooh. him play in college, I'm like, hell yeah, he should be like that. I mean, he was putting cats on the on a regular basis, he was—I mean, he was like—he was a bone crusher, snapping ankles left and right. So, again, that to me is just—that's just who he is. And and I think now though, he's got the freedom and confidence to speak that truth because you ain't dealing with Marcus Smart in your in your ass like like you used to be. You ain't dealing yeah. with that. Rocket. The way you you're looking at a relatively blank slate of, of guys that you're going at and going against, and that breeds confidence, particularly when you know that you're a good player. I think with Peyton, the thing that is, to me, most intriguing about his contract is that typically guys, when they get their their new deal, the new deal is typically based on the belief that we're going to reward you for what you've done and we're going to hedge that you're going to get better in the future. And this deal, I I would say this deal is more about what they think he's going to do in the future than what Already done, and that's a little bit different. So, I mean, I, I give Brad Stevens props for giving Peyton uh, a deal that really rewards his potential and not necessarily his proven body of work. Because most GMs in this league aren't necessarily looking to do that. They they need to see what you can do, and then they will hook you up after they've basically they've gotten their money's worth and then some under your current deal. They'll give you a little bit of something extra. So, good for Peyton. I'm happy for him. A um, couple things we want to tell you once again. Want to remind you about our sponsors here at the Garden Report, and again, FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network, and snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel. If you haven't already, the season is well underway. We are in week four. Bobby Manning absolutely squoke one out against oh, yeah. against uh, against me uh, this weekend in our little fantasy matchup with the late. Matt Stafford, garbage time touchdown, but hey. Yo, it was fun last week, too, betting the Dolphins. And, oh, my goodness gracious, the (laughs) amount of dough my friends made off of Dolphins, props, parlays, and this and that. Holy wow. If you bet anything in that Dolphins game, you hit um, last week. So that was amazing. But the offer here you can get at FanDuel is uh you you know bet five get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed that's all you have to do is bet five win or lose you get that uh so if you've been thinking about joining go ahead and do it go to fanduel.com slash boston once again fanduel.com slash boston fanduel the official partner in the nfl and the exclusive wagering partner of the clns media network you have to be 21 and over here and present in massachusetts to take part in the deal hope is here if you have any sort of issues with gambling uh you can go to gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. As for that deal, restrictions do apply. The bonus bets expire in seven days. Check out terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Absolutely. And, of course, uh, head coach Joe Mazzula spoke about the extension. Here's what he had to say about uh, Payne Pritchard. In just the strides he made, a lot of talk about just how great he looked in camp. What did you see out there tonight from 
just those uh, strides he made over the summer. Yeah, I mean, what you what you saw tonight is, and what you'll see throughout the year is just his mindset uh, and his professionalism to just be prepared over the last three years. And um, guys like him, they, they get rewarded in some capacity. And uh, as I said before, like we're going to rely on him uh, to give us another layer of toughness, another layer of physicality, another layer of playing with the right mindset. And, you know, that whole unit, really. I mean, O'Shea, Lamar, Luke, Banton, um, Sam, like those guys have to be able to understand what's going on in the game and what we need at a particular time. And so they knew it was a close game and in close game situations, the, the more physical team wins, the team that gets more rebounds and the team that executes. And so credit to them. And that's going to be important that they do that throughout the year. You gotta have dogs. Yeah, man. You gotta, you gotta, gotta be one dogs. of those guys. You gotta be one of those guys. One of the first guys off the bench, and one of those guys that you can rely on for for energy, for for you know being that point guard, secondary point guard, and, and of course buckets, right? And that was the case. You know, six three pointers in this one, and he made it look easy, man. Like hand in his face. This wasn't wide open threes. This wasn't stand in the corner and we'll find you type of threes, man. Like he was, he was giving it to him, man. And I feel like this is the type of uh, this is the type of game that. I think the Celtics want to obviously build on. I mean, you're not expecting Pritchard to score 20 plus every single night, but his approach is certainly, he's already showing you signs of improvements compared to last year. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what you want if you're the Celtics. You want to see growth. I mean, that's really what it comes down to when you talk yeah. about Pritchard. You don't want to see the same dude, you know, that you saw in year two, year three. Uh, and, and I think this is an example of that growth. I think he, the confidence that he played with, the fact that he recognized the moment. And yes, it's a preseason game. And it ain't going to be a damn thing in the grand scheme of wins and losses. But it does matter in terms of wins and losses because you're helping develop and cultivate a level of confidence in a guy that you're going to need to play with a high level of confidence when the games really matter. Peyton Pritchard is going to be one of those guys that if the Celtics win the championship, and you start looking at, what are the three biggest differences from the previous year to this year as the factoring into that winning a chip? He's going to be one of them because he's a guy, again, as Joe was pointed out, he's just, he, toughness is in his DNA. Uh, he's one of those guys that you don't worry about toughness. And I, to me, the only issue I've ever had with Peyton Pritchard is opportunity. And, yeah. and that's something that none of us, including Peyton, can control. Uh, and so the more opportunities he gets to play, the better his chances of are being the player that we all see he can be and helping the Celtics play. But, you know, the flip side of that was in the past, you could understand why he didn't play. I mean, you had an all-defensive, you know, player in, in Marcus Smart. You had, you had Malcolm Brogdon. You've had guys that were clearly head and shoulders better than him uh, and warranted significant minutes. But when you look at the situation now, you know, you've got Drew Holiday, who's, you know, he's on the north side of 30 and, is, you know, at at worst, you know, he's going to his minutes probably aren't going to be as high as they've been in the past. You've got Derek White, who has the ability to play multiple positions on a perimeter. So you're going to need a third guard at some point to be somewhat of a stabilizing force for your offense up with that second unit uh, and sometimes mixed in with the first unit. And Peyton, he's that guy. Uh, when they have units that they need another guy to space the floor at the point guard position, he's the guy. I mean, He's a better shooter than Derek White, uh, and he's as good, uh, if not better, than Drew Holiday. So, to me, it makes a lot of sense that he's a guy that you can look at and play now. And, and the other thing, too, you know, we talk about his defense, uh, and no, he's not going to lock anybody up. But the thing about him is this. He's a tough kid, and he's going to fight. And, he's yes, he's going to absolutely get torched and belayed some games. But that doesn't mean he's, he's going to be useless. He's gonna—he's yeah. a guy that's going to fight to try to be a good defender. Uh, and that's half the battle of being a good defender is just wanting to. And he definitely wants to be that because he knows that's going to keep his ass on the floor. Yeah, he's relentless, right? I mean, he's picking guys up half court, you know, trying to stay with their guy the whole time. He doesn't back down when, when he has to do that, right? It's just part of his DNA. But, yeah, of course, he's undersized. It's not always easy for him, but – Man, you talk about what this lineup looked like last year compared to what we saw today. And again, I'm going to say this like 17 times tonight, but I know it's preseason, but that starting lineup looks a hell of a lot different with that 7-3 guy, doesn't it, Gerard? Man, you know, Chris Tasporti is balling out today. What were you about to say before I keep going? Are you about to say something? Were you, you, got a, you got a caveat or something? You, you didn't Something you didn't not, like out there? Not so much a caveat because Porzingis played well. There's, there's no doubt about that. He looked yeah. really good. Uh, okay. Everyone is going to lock in on the scoring and, and how offensively they look. I was more impressed with the way he contested shots. 
and, and for for those who, who okay. uh, Porzingis has been a walking easy pass for for offenses most of his career. In fact, listening to Brad Stevens uh, talk with JJ Redick, uh, you know, during the game uh, about Porzingis, and, and and Brad, you know, said, "Well, we all have seen that when he, early in his career, you went right at him." Because mm-hmm. that, was, that was easy buckets. I mean, there, yeah. there's no doubt about that. But New York for, yeah. He's gotten better. And I think he finally realized that, you know, he's never going to be an all-NBA defender. But he can be a, a good shot contester. And that's what you need from him. He's not going to get you 15, 20 rebounds. Or, you, hell, he may not, he, he, on a good night, he might get you 10 or 11. Uh, but he, his the best thing he can do for you defensively, particularly in pick and rolls, is contest shots. Yeah. Stay close enough to you can use that seven foot three length to make his shot more tougher for, for guards. And he did that a couple of occasions in this game. And that, to me, I was more impressed with his ability to just move a little bit uh, than I was his shot making. Because him scoring 17 points, making his first three shots, shit, I, that's what he do. I mean, yeah. he's always been a good scorer. Uh, even yeah. in, on bad teams, good teams, didn't matter. Buckets was something that he was able to give you. Uh, but can he give you a little bit of stability defensively? Uh, again, you're not going. He's not locking anybody up. In fact, I would say that having Al Horford playing a double big, a big reason why you do that is so that you have at least one big, you know, average to above average defender. Uh, and so that's why I think we'll see a lot of the double big lineup. In part because they want to make sure that Porzingis is not put in situations where his defense defensive liabilities are exposed. Uh, right. and, and conversely you make a point of taking advantage of what he brings to the table uh, offensively. I didn't see as, as much of the Tatum uh, Porzingis pick and roll that I think we'll see as the season progresses, but I believe that's something that's, that's absolutely in the playbook for Joe Mazzulla to use because I think it's, it's going to be devastating. Uh, yeah, I think so. Guys, yeah, I mean, when you got them do a set, uh, you know, pick and roll, your defense is cooked because no matter what, if you go one way or the other, you're at a mismatch. You either got a guy that's dropping 30 a night in Tatum or a seven foot three guy who can shoot pretty much anywhere on the floor. So, yeah. again, I, we didn't see as much of that, which is fine because there's a lot of season, a lot of preseason left to be played. But uh, the Celtics, they got some options. They, they definitely have some options. And I thought what they did tonight was just kind of showed you just a quick snippet, almost like the trailer of what you yeah, might have. Right. Yeah, it's the trailer for the uh, for the upcoming season. No, no doubt. I, I thought we would see a little bit more of that as well. We got a little bit of that from Derek White, though. I like that alley oop in the first quarter, the one hand slam. You know, that was um, you know that that's that's what he can do, right? He's not he's not gonna jump quite up up there like Rob, but the man's seven three, right? I mean, that's the difference. And also, you said it. I mean, he can pretty much shoot from anywhere on the floor. I think that's a that's something that the Celtics just didn't have last year. Never mind someone of his size, but someone that can knock down those mid range shots. Obviously, he can extend his shot through the three point uh, behind the three point arc. But what you said about defense is also very important, and I think that kind of stuff is contagious when you're around, you're, you're in a culture that that that's going to be the focus. And let's face it, he's never been on a team where he's not the guy who's you know the first, second, or or right. maybe or probably the third best. But you know what I'm saying? Like you know the first, the last couple of teams I feel like he's been on, he's always been asked to be that guy or at least one A or one B. And I feel like in this situation he's comfortable with that and that's going to encourage him to play defense especially when you got all nba guys who are who are who have that same level of intensity and around the same age and you guys are all striving for one goal right all the same goal i mean when the guy came out here for shooting around the, the the standing ovation i mean he just seems genuinely happy to be here and i know it's still early but i never got that sense so quickly when he went to dallas right never mind new york his rookie year he, he didn't even go to the exit interview he was so disappointed with how with how the organization was. I just feel like he just sees how things are just structured here and he's way more comfortable to be in this environment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and again, that, that's a big part of embracing the fact that this is a new world. Uh, right. For him. This is, this is an opportunity for him to do some things that he has not been frankly capable of doing. He's never been in a situation where he was on a team that was a bona fide title contender. Uh, he's never been on a team where he was not the first or second option, uh, which yeah. I think early in your career that might be problematic. But at this point, there's really not a lot left for him to do. I mean, he's already he was an all star once. Uh, he's been a leading scorer uh, in this league. So no one doubts what his ability to score uh, his defense. It is what it is. The only thing that he really can 
really feel good about achieving and accomplishing is winning a championship. And when you join a team as good as he is, and you're like the third or fourth best option offensively, and now they've done they've, they've structured things in a way where defensively you're not the last line of defense in that front line. You've got Al Horford, who's a multi all NBA defensive player. Uh, that's it's a you can't ask for a better situation. Uh, right. I was watching the, the ESPN broadcast and they talked to Porzingis after the game, and you swear to God, they just won the damn. You know, they just got out of the second round of the oh, playoffs. I think we lost you. He was really, he was genuinely you happy. I didn't. So. Um, Good for him. Oh, here we go. Is that a bottom flash? Yeah, I don't know what he did, but when he was coming in, I lost your audio for like five seconds. Now you're back. Yeah, Bobby's gonna. I was gonna say Bobby's gonna be in here in a second. Uh, yeah. Wait, before we, but before we get to Bobby, let me just. I want to get this comment out of the way here. Yeah, this this guy here talking about the Paul Pierce thing. Look, I wasn't even there. All right, I'm not gonna say who he was talking to, but Paul knows what's up. All right. Anyways, Bobby, what's going on? How was those press conferences? What did you get from uh, um, from Peyton Pritchard and uh, uh, Chris Tasporzingas? Bobby? Uh-oh. Damn, what's going on? We got a little technical difficulty here. Um, well, I'm working on it. But sorry, we'll, we'll work on Bobby in a second. But go ahead, Sherrod, what were you saying? No, I was going to say... Uh, we're, you know, we're, we're talking about Porzingis, uh, and, and we, we need to be mindful. And, and again, some of the commenters, they, they, they totally, you know, you can tell that they know they know the damn game. Uh, they're just like, slow down, don't get too excited. It's just the preseason game. And yeah, but if, we, if we're if we're critical, they will be saying the exact opposite, though. That's the, that's the funny part. But, but this is the th- but this is the thing that I keep coming back to. This is our very first chance to see these guys as a collective body. Oh, yeah. we. We did not. We had no idea whether they would just go a traditional backcourt where you have Derek White and you know Drew back there, or they go double big like they did, and you have one either Derek White or Drew coming off the bench. And they went with the double big, and I think they're going to go with the double big uh, for you know, uh, I, I would say more times than not, simply because it gives them the best shot of having uh, a strong first unit and a, and a really kind of sick. Second unit, when you think about having Drew coming off your bench or Peyton coming off your bench, I mean, that's you, you got some power. So, um, I like what I've seen here, but again, I don't, I want folks to understand that the reason that we're excited is because we had no idea what the hell this team would look like the first time out as a group, and they looked pretty damn good. They didn't look like a team where you had such key pieces that were gone and replaced by a couple other pieces. And, and things would be disjointed. They look a lot more cohesive than I thought they would look in the first preseason game. All right, Bobby, we got him. He's back. What's up, Bobby? Uh, he was just in the uh, pressers with Chris Porzingis and Peyton Pritchard. What's going on? What you got? What's up? You hear me? Yeah, I got you. All right. Yeah. So I didn't hear from Porzingis. Uh, I was grabbing Holiday in the locker room, and I did hear from Pritchard. So overall. You want you want to go the Pritchard direction or the Holiday direction? Pritchard first. So he he obviously reacted to signing the deal today. Said it's not extra pressure on him, but he was glad to get it over with and get it done. Uh, but overall, he's being Peyton, and that's what Holiday said about him too. That's just Peyton being Peyton out there, lining guys up, attacking off the dribble, pulling up from three aggressively. I thought the aggression overall was what stood out to me most from him here. He didn't hesitate at all. He said, you know, playing with the Olympic team over the summer was a big confidence boost for him. So nothing surprised me about his game here tonight, especially going against the guys he did, Javante Smart and David Duke and uh, Smith and whoever else is coming off that 76ers bench there. He really didn't face the best competition in this game. But Joe pointed out, and you, I think you were in there for Joe, Joe Sway, the game management leading them to the win. It was a one possession game there late in the fourth when he started hitting those shots and droves and, you know, the and one was the go ahead shot. So you liked his passing in this one. I thought he ran some good pick and rolls. He's still not a guy who I think is going to drive this offense like a floor general, but his role on this team is going to be scoring. And for him to do that in short minutes off the bench was pretty impressive. I mean, he just caught fire there in that fourth quarter. And the caveat is the competition, of course. But 
you can't you couldn't have expected much better from him on the day that he signed his extension. That it was a very encouraging performance. All right, we're going to go uh, Porzingis. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Stroh. No, go ahead. No, I mean, the, the big thing, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, Bobby, is, is you just want to see guys high performing the roles that you are going to most likely see them in when the games matter. Uh, Pitcher is going to be looked upon as a That's what he's going to be looked upon to do when the games actually matter. So for him, first time out in that role, to do exactly what he's literally being paid to do right now was a very positive sign. Now, is he going to get you 26 points every night? Hell no. We, we all know that ain't going to happen. Uh, but you know that when he's in the role that he's supposed to be playing, he can do that. You know that is in it. And so, I, again, for me, and, and my big thing with Pritchard is playing enough to where he has the confidence to take those shots, to make that impact. And I, I just thought that, you know, the yo-yo that he was on last year as far as playing time didn't afford him an opportunity to get the kind of confidence that I think he needs in order – to be an impact player for this squad. Yeah, and he should have had more assists. My guy, Cornette, did bullet for him a few of those wait, role wait, plays. Bobby, I want to hear that one more time because I, I – I, wait. What did you say? My guy. My guy. It, wasn't, it wasn't Cornette's best game. I'll give, I'll give you that. He, he's got to catch the those balls in the, the move. Five, he shot three feet. Yeah. Wait, is that, is that one? Is that why you beat you beat up on that Twitter the the, the tweet that came at you? Yeah, I mean, it's five, it's it's five minutes pretty much when it matters. There, but. I know, but was, I just thought it was funny. You had to you had to say something. He he's, couldn't he's, let that fly. He's got quite a bit to prove here this year. He does. They're putting that backup big man position on his shoulders, especially in a game like this, Sherrod, where Al's starting, and I would not be surprised at all if on opening night White's on the bench and Horford starts. I think. Brad especially likes them playing double big. That gives them the most opportunity to play double big throughout the flow of the game. And, and this is something not many people are talking about, Sherrod. Al's only come off the bench 14 times in his career. And he said when he came back to Boston, I'd rather start. That's where I'm comfortable. And I asked him at media day if he still feels that way. And he Just kind of avoided the question. No, but, no, he said he said that that's up to the coach. In other words. Yeah. <laughs> you already yeah. know the answer to that question. Why are you asking? <laughs> so we'll see. If, if if Horford and Porzingis are starting together, they're going to need Cornet to perform in that second unit. True, true, and and that and again, no disrespect to Luke, but I don't feel good about him performing consistently. I just don't. Um, and this game, um, there were there, some of those concerns came to realization. I mean, just missing easy shots, uh, showing enough physicality. Uh, little things that may not seem like that big a deal, but uh, they concern me that backup center position. Because if you've got Luke and, uh, excuse me, if you've got Al and Porzingis in that first group, um, you got to have some energy at that position. And, and I would not be shocked if, if Joe at some point turns to one of his basically power forwards and have them play play center. Yeah, it's definitely. Do you like that spot? Um, I think. Brissett, Banton. No, not bad. Oh, I mean, that's a tough. Gabriel. Spot. I mean, I think those are the three guys that you that are essentially trying out for that position. Uh, I don't know. Even maybe off the bench, like a center. I don't team. know. I don't know if Cornette will be the guy who locks that down all year long, but it wouldn't surprise me if he starts off like that. He's going to be granted that opportunity, but he's got to show some improvement. I mean, I don't think he's gone the other direction, but I haven't seen a whole lot of improvement so far. It's still really early, but um, you, you're wondering if he's going to make some sort of adjustments in this game throughout these preseasons, preseason matchups. You know, I, I think this is a great opportunity for him to showcase himself and also, you know, maybe not make a set in, set in stone that he's one of those rotation guys, but you want to be one of those guys, whether, whether it's the ninth guy who, you know, if someone gets in foul trouble, you're going to see Missoula turn to right away. But he's got to prove it, though. He's got to show it to us. The yeah, challenge is... He's matchup dependent, right? And I didn't think this was a great matchup for him against a Philly team that wants to fly and run up the floor and move. Without Embiid, they were a much faster team tonight, especially with Nick Nurse coaching them. So it showed that he can be challenged in those quicker, faster matchups. He's definitely matchup dependent against bigger guys. Like it almost would have benefited him to have Embiid out there tonight. Oh, hell. (laughs) I'm just saying the speed of the game, Sherrod. But. You're talking speed of the hey, game. I'm 
talking about the actual game being played. Gerard, <laughs> Gerard last year they <laughs> played Philly at the they played Philly at the Garden. I don't remember if he started, but Al was out, Rob was out. I want to say Grant might have been out too, or at least he was playing at the four. Cornette played a ton of minutes in that game, probably 20, 30 minutes, and the Celtics won against Embiid, against the Sixers. Embiid was hung over that night. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I know. That's true. <laughs> no, that was a good game. I know exactly what you're talking about. But, I mean, I, I just think... <sighs> oh, Griffin must have started, right? He was always starting those games. But Cornette came off the yeah, bench, yeah. and they Cornette won. came off the bench, yeah. I just, I just wonder if... I don't want to say this, uh, this moment is too big for him, but when you're... Go, when you're, you know, in the middle of the game and the way things are, the way the intensity that everyone's been talking about the training camp, I wonder if he's just trying to match that. You know what I mean? Maybe it's a mental thing. Maybe it's something that he's just still trying to figure this. I mean, the team has changed in a, in a big way, you know, and I, I do think it affects him in a way because of how they want to play, how they want to uh, improve their defensive identity. So it's a, it's a, it's a big spot for him. He's got to show that he can keep up with these guys and. and, and be that he can earn valuable minutes and someone that Missoula can trust. I think Missoula has some trust in him. I think he likes uh, the, the way he, the, when he's positioned on defense, getting to certain spots, you know, maybe the timing's not completely there sometimes or all the time. So I do think that he, he's, he's continuing to show potential, but he hasn't convinced them yet. Right. If that makes sense. He hasn't locked down a, a, a rotational spot yet. He's not the first guy you think of when you're like, man, this team needs a big that they can rely on coming off the bench. You know, you're not quite sure yet. You have to wait. He, he's got to prove that, in my opinion. Yeah. And he's going to and he's going to get opportunities based upon the way the Celtics are putting together their, their rotation. So very different than Peyton Pritchard's situation where Peyton really didn't get many opportunities to prove what he could do. Uh, Cornette's going to get that. Uh, but at some point, you can pretty much take it to the bank. Missoula's going to move on and give some other guys some opportunities. I mean, we, we haven't talked about O'Shea Brissett, who I thought, you know, in his minutes, I thought he gave him good minutes. Uh, he almost had the dunk of the night. Ooh. But you know what? I, I don't know why the hell Joe Towns said. There was no way the hell that was going get, to get over. I mean, you literally, he had an arm in the dude's back when he dunked on him. That was That's athleticism, man. What you mean? Three season, just let it go. <laughs> let him play. Just, you know what? Anyway, that's another story. Another. Omar Stevens too. He, he had a big dunk, some good energy. He was trying I, to make the squad too. I thought both of those guys looked really, really good in, in the limited minutes they had in. And again, if Joe makes a decision to go with kind of a small ball lineup and maybe have that backup sitter be like basically a four, uh, similar to what they did sometimes, I think with Grant. Uh, Lamar Stevens would be in that conversation. Brissett would be in that conversation. Uh, and, and if you're the Celtics, you may not necessarily need a physical big to get by. Uh, it would be great to have one. I wish they had another one. I really do. But if you don't, then go with young, high-energy athleticism, guys that can just kind of force you know the offense to scramble a little bit uh, and, and things like that. And that, that may be the, the, the way to go if they can't somehow between now and uh, you know, the season or, or some point during the season, get a guy that can be physically imposing and give them that kind of that that physical anchor that they would ideally want to have. Yeah, see, that's why I, I don't know. I wonder if uh, that that ultimately leaves Cornet out of the mix. You know, maybe these guys show them show that that's a better alternative. That's a that's a better way of of, of, of playing, right? Whether it's Brissett, whether it's just going smaller in general. Uh, the starting lineup. I mean, and, and Joe Mazzulla talked about it after the game, right, Bobby? This is a lot of that had to do with just Drew Holiday just arriving to Boston last week. Wasn't quite sure if he wanted to start him, but I mean, this double big lineup that he put out there, it, it, it does create a lot of problems for opposing teams, if you ask me, because I think Porzingis changes a lot of what they're able to do on D, on, on offense. And you still have Al Horford in that front court, right? And, and of course, you know, well, this, this is my question. One thing I wanted to bring up was what Derek White looked like, you know, out there as, as the point guard. I thought Maxi did a good job staying in front of him. I thought he challenged him a lot. It kind of forced him to do things he didn't want to do. Made him a little bit, a little uncomfortable out there. What did you guys make of that? I mean, if Derek White is to be, or, or has a chance here to, to lock down a starting spot here, how do you feel uh, as him being that main guy, the, uh, the the key distributor? I'd rather have Drew running the show. Same. And that's, that's no knock against Derek. It's just that Drew has done this. Uh, he has done it playing 
arguably the best player, freaking two-time MVP. And the thing about Drew as a playmaker that I think often gets overlooked is people say, well, you know what, he played with Giannis, so he didn't really have the ball in his hands that much. But the dude, you got to understand something. Drew has averaged better than six assists all but two years yeah. out of 14 he's been in the league. And last year. his best, no disrespect, because y'all know how long I'm with Marcus. Y'all know that. Marcus last year averaged 6.3, and that was like the pinnacle. Drew, that's that's an average year for Drew. And so to me, an average point, if an average season for my elite defensive on-the-ball defender is giving me six assists a game, yeah, I want him with that first group. And I I think Derek gives you a great second unit option. And you put Mm -hmm. him, and you pair him with Peyton, uh, and you get, I, like I said, I, I think they're gonna. I think that Joe is gonna be experimenting for, I would say, at least the first quarter of the season as far as the double big or just going to more traditional uh, two guard uh, backcourt. But uh, again, it's it's one of the awesome things for the Celtics to have that as an option because I think they have the ability to win both ways. It's just a matter of figuring out which unit to go with uh, against which. So, Shrad, I I was going to ask you about that because it does seem like we're poised, and I wrote it last night on CLNS Media, a starting lineup by committee, or at least a matchup-based starting lineup. You don't see that much, especially from really good teams. And most guys do like to be in that regular routine of, all right, I'm starting tonight, and that's going to be what I do. I'm coming off the bench tonight, and that's going to be what I do on almost every night. White's definitely amicable. They're going back and forth, and that's obviously going to be the guy along with Horford that the decision rests on here. I mean, Holiday's not coming off the bench. They didn't didn't go get him to play the bench. I just don't know how I feel about it. I get why they want to do it. I think it's what they're going to do here. Bigger teams, you go with Al. Smaller, faster games. In fact, this one probably would have been a good one to have Holiday, White starting, and Horford off the bench. But, you know, you've covered a lot of teams, Sherrod. You just don't see it much. At least I haven't looked at like all the teams over the years and how they've done this, but you usually don't see teams do that starting lineup by committee. Well, usually teams, they, they that's because there's no competition. Yeah. There really isn't – it's not about the matchup because this player is clearly better than that player. But with the Celtics, I think you have a situation where you have to not only think about what your strengths are but also your weaknesses and how do you mask those. Uh, that's why, you know, the whole double big lineup, it makes sense on some levels, because if you go with a traditional lineup uh, and you've got Al coming off the bench, uh, Porzingis at the five is kind of scary uh, because that's not I just don't think he can be most impactful there. Uh, so if you've got him and Al together, you can put him at the four, have Al at the five. Al gives you better defense, better rebounding and frankly, another playmaker. And for Porzingis, that's ideally that suits his game perfectly. Another guy who can get me plays, can get me the ball, uh, that I don't have to worry about guarding the most physical big man on the floor. Uh, and, and so I, I think that if, if Joe had to lean one way or the other, I think you'll probably see him leaning towards the double big lineup. Uh, but knowing that if he had to go small, he could, he could slip Al out and, and slip Derek in there with Drew in the backcourt and then go that route. Uh, but the, the thing that we, we also have to be mindful of in all of this is that this lineup that starts doesn't necessarily be the lineup that'll finish the game. Yeah. Uh, it, becomes, it becomes a matter of which group is Joe going to be comfortable with playing the most during you know, the four quarters of play. Uh, and my gut tells me that Joe is going to play small ball, smaller ball more than he's going to go with the double big. I think the double big is, is going to be beneficial to set the tone, but I don't mm-hmm. think that they with that tune for the entire game. I don't think we'll see a lot of Al and Porzingis is playing together. I think we'll see the start. Oh, it's closed games. Yeah, definitely not. It's closed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the that's the thing in, in, in all this, and, and I don't think he's going to go out and say that because not he's not going to say that about any particular lineup because he has to wait and see. I mean, I'm sure he has guesses and he has a certain idea, but he has to wait and see how these how certain lineups fair in particular situations, especially in the fourth quarter. This is an ongoing thing for over two years, guys. Let's, let's not forget that, right? This team, it wasn't just last year that they were blowing leads and having a hard time closing out fourth quarters all year long, even in the playoffs, especially in that Eastern Conference final series where, you know, they could have easily lost in game six because of the way they nearly blew those last couple of minutes. I mean, this is something they have to iron out quickly and, and, 
and you know you have a, a, an improved roster to do so. So there's no excuses, and especially when you consider uh, the the the, uh, the new coaches, the new coaching staff uh, under Joe Missoula, Missoula not being thrown into the situation, you know, 24 hours before media day like he was last year. All that is in the rear view, and I think. That's something that is going to be a big focus the first two, three weeks of the season. You know, how this team, obviously the lineup is always a, a talking point throughout the, the first couple of weeks of the season, but especially which lineup closes and how they fare in particular situations. You know, are they going to blow a double-digit lead in those last five minutes or can they hold on? Or, you know, who's going to get the ball and if the game is tied and, you know, to, for, for the game winner? You know, I mean, a lot of that – we can all guess, but I just think that the identity of this team, we're going to find out more and more about that, about them, you know, the first few weeks, of course. Yeah, and it's a challenge, Josue, because we're going to talk about it every night on here. Did they do the right closing lineup? Did they start the right guys tonight? That's a tough spot to be in if you're Missoula. You Normally, if you're the coach, like to have a team that you say, all right, these are our guys. It's a given who's starting. It's a given who's coming off the bench because then you don't have to make those tough decisions every night. And those can swing games. And so it's going to put a lot on Missoula it coming out of wins, coming out of losses based on what he does with those lineups. Now it's mostly set, right? You're going to have Brown, Tatum out there for most of the game. Porzingis should close every night. I was curious how he'd look playing up defensively, and I thought he actually did a great job tonight switching out, uh, showing on those pick and rolls. He was just awesome. I think Reed started one for eight against him inside, so defensively he hit all the marks. He should probably close pretty much every game, I'd imagine. And then, of course, Holiday. So it's just one spot we're talking about, but it is a tough decision. And even on the bench, there's just so many guys here for him to – uh, choose from i see people in the chat are wondering why certain guys didn't play it's probably because they're playing tomorrow and you know some of those guys are going to get extended run tomorrow and some guys are probably going to sit tomorrow it's a weird preseason schedule here with the three three games and four nights but uh joe sway which way would you go most nights double big or do you want white out there given the year he had to start or to close to start to start um no i say you put white off the bench um I, I think you start Drew. No, Drew's definitely starting. It's Horford or White. Oh, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. No, no, I mean, um, yeah, I say I say you start the double big, but then you don't close that way. I, I like the uh, the the problems that they can both create. You know, being in the front court together. That well, double with, block was awesome. Horford and Porzingis, <laughs> man. I feel like you know, especially you know, right at the gate, right out of the gate. Um, you know, Horford. Getting those fresh legs, obviously, you know, and and him just sort of also anchoring that second unit. I I like the idea of that, um, you know, with with guys in and out from the starting lineup, and you you look at someone like Pritchard and how that second unit is gonna come together. But if you have someone like Al who's in and out of it consistently, I, I think that helps them go a long way, especially when they're trying to find uh, find their, their 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 defense, you know, especially in, when they have to stop the bleeding. That second unit. By the way, uh, O'Shea Brissett. Celtics high plus 14 in this one. He really was great energy tonight. Love what I saw from him. I know Sherrod did as well. That's who he is. Getting up there on the boards, couple putbacks, flying around. Shot, we'll see. But three of six, that's that's good stuff. It was overall a pretty good showing by them. Why tonight. do you tie in Sherrod like that? It's because y'all went to the same school. <laughs> Guys, I was listening on the broadcast too. Drew Carter, who's taking over the broadcast, came in right as he got the end one and transitioned to Pritchard. He was like, you know where that guy went, right? So he did get on? I, I was confused as to what was he, happening. He came there. on the second quarter and talked a little bit. He'll do the call uh, tomorrow okay. in New York. I feel like he was getting like the grand tour, and then people were confused because we saw Mike here. So, okay. Yeah, no, they just they interviewed him there in the second quarter on the call there, and he'll do the road games this week. So exciting to see. I, I went, yeah, I went to school, obviously, with him. Um, I'm sure some people saw him on the broadcast tonight. He's great voice. He's got a great, great voice. So. Yeah, I'm sure not a lot of people know him around around here, but he's been on ESPN. He's been doing some college football. And, uh, of course, he went to Syracuse where most of these play-by-play guys came out of. So Gorman made sure to tell him, though, not everybody came came from Syracuse. That's right. Tell him. Tell him, Mike. <laughs> I actually saw Mike on the way in today. It was pretty cool. Mike and Scal back at it. One more year. You got to really – that's why really, it's pretty cool to, to, to catch him walking in on you know the, the the first game of the of the last season, so to speak. Right, savor this year. You know, yeah. this is this is it for Gorman, and it's only home games, so it's it's gonna be 
It's going to be uh, interesting. He's been here since what? 80, early 80s? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. If, if Nick was here, he'd know. <laughs> well, he was national first, I believe, right? It was the other way around. Did yeah, I, no, he did. He did CBS, uh, the college games. Right. I remember Tom. Oh, I don't remember, but I heard Tommy, <laughs> Tommy and Mike used to do the national game. So I can't imagine that uh, that Boston bias. Imagine like having to tune into that for people who aren't from around here listening or watching uh, on ABC. You know, like, man, these guys are so biased. But anyways, uh, yeah, my last season for Mike Gorman. But of course, this is a, a huge 1981 for the Celtics team. 1981. There you go. Max MVP. Cedric Maxwell MVP year. So, did you guys talk uh, holiday? Yeah, we, spoke, we spoke a lot, man. You missed it. No, we did. Yeah, we did holiday. Uh, you got you got something you want to say about him? I, I I thought it was weird not starting him. I guess you saw why. Yeah, he looked a little out of sorts out there. Still trying to figure out where he is. Missing shots. A lot of guys were shaking off the rust in this one. Clearly, uh, but he ended up playing a lot with that second unit and didn't get a ton of reps with the with the starters. So. I just thought the way they used him was kind of strange in this one. I don't know why they brought him off the bench, given that he needs reps with those starting guys. And I, Defensively, obviously, it was himself forcing turnovers. He had that nice transition feed to Brown out there. But uh, it, it just – well, Porzingis jumped in and made an instant impact. It was more of a strange game from Holiday, who had ups and downs shooting and wasn't as involved in the offense as you probably would have liked to have seen. Yeah, I saw a little bit of that. Sure. what did you think? Oh, I mean, Porzingis could have done more, I, I think, if they would have, I, I think, put in position to do more. Um, but I'm actually curious to hear what Porzingis thought about his first time. I think we've got that sound loaded up. Let's see. It seemed like they were really looking for you. Do you think that was just something that just kind of came with the flow of the game? Or did, did Jason and Jalen talk and say, hey, look, we're going to try and get you going? Uh, no, I think it kind of came natural. I think so. Um, I think it's a big problem for the other teams to guard me and pick and roll with those guys, or you know, pick and pop, or we could just play off of each other, handoffs, back doors, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's I think it's just really, really hard to defend. And a lot of those times, they draw so much attention that it opens the game up for myself. And and uh, and I think that's what happened early on. And and you know, I think as I said, the more time we get together playing, the the better our the better reads we'll make off of each other. He's right. I mean, the idea of him and pick and roll is should be actually scaring the crap out of teams. When you get, when you think about him being in pick and rolls with Tatum, uh, with Pritchard, with guys that you know can knock down shots, it's like it really does become a game of pick your poison. Are you going to leave the thirty point score? Um, and try to focus on the guy who's seven foot three who can knock down shots from anywhere on the floor, or you're going to stick with him and leave the thirty point score in, in an ISO situation or in, in a switch. Uh, it's a great problem that the Celtics, I think, are going to cause in lots of teams to have this year. He was awesome. It, it was mesmerizing watching him out there. He's so fluid with the shot. He just fires it off so quick. That first one to start the game there, it just fired right out of his hands on the pass from Tatum. I love the dribble move to get by House. Took House to the ground with that. Dunked all over everybody. Uh, and then uh, alley-oop, obviously. So, like you said, they got him involved often. Uh, there's a lot of pressure coming from defenses when he gets the ball. So as the preseason goes on, I'd like to see him play make out of that a little bit as well. And like I said already, the defense impressed me a ton. I, I wasn't sure what to expect from him on the perimeter, but he was able to get out to shooters and switches and pick and rolls and all that comfortably. And then he's, he's going to have to do that now that Robert Williams isn't here and he's going to be the only center out there a lot of times. And he sure. did that last year with Washington, probably his best defensive season ever. And it looks like he can be a real anchor for this defense. I mean, he's just so big out there. That really blew me away in practice and interviews. Don't bother me. Don't do it. <laughs> he was, hey, he's don't just so it. tall and his arms go on forever. Bobby, don't do it. <laughs> what are you about to say? Wait, don't get, don't get too excited. He's, he had a, I think he had a good game, and I think he's not nearly as big a defensive liability as he's been built to be. But I don't want him as my defensive anchor. Because if that's my anchor, we say he has to be. <laughs> oh, what else is it going to be? I, I, I guess Drew. 
I thought you were going to beg Bobby not to uh, start comparing him to KG or something like that, but that's almost the same thing. Uh, let's let's talk defense, guys. Do you see? There's been a lot of talk throughout the preseason of Jalen, Jason going for all defensive team. Joe said, I love defense a couple of days ago. They're trying to make that their identity again. <laughs> Did you see it out there? <laughs> like he was forced to say it. Yeah, like, come on. You should love defense. No, I mean, that's what this team should be. Like, that should be the goal. Like, Tatum and Brown need to be the ones leading that. And obviously, there's going to be reinforcements. Guys like Horford, guys like Porzingis. You know, before you hopped on, Bobby, I was saying how, you know, telling Sherrod how that stuff's contagious, especially when you have uh, all NBA players doing it, and especially at this level. Uh, Porzingis watched these guys play in the NBA Finals two years ago, fall short last year. I just think all that stuff is relative when you think about where he's at in his career and just trying to show, you know – show that he can perform at a high level, especially on this stage, right? He's never been on a team like this before. So I think it does start with those guys for sure. And, you know, little by little, you'll see more of that um, throughout these preseason games. But they got to be the ones that are um, most vocal on that end of the floor, holding guys accountable. Otherwise, you don't become the top defense in the NBA. I do think that this team can be that, or at least one of the top teams, um, uh, top defensive teams in the league. Yeah, I mean, it's it's great to hear. Uh, sounds good, feels good, rolling off the tongue, but you got to do it. Uh, and, and I, I thought it was really telling early in the preseason or before the season started media day where Joe Mazzula talked about how, you know, he didn't probably emphasize defense as much as he probably should have because he just assumed that they were built to do that. And so he has to, I think there's a conscious effort on his to coach defense a little bit more so than he did last year. Um, yeah. And I, I can't blame him for thinking that they just automatically know that because you had all NBA type defenders. You had a team that was built on the foundation of being a strong defensive team. So the idea of reinforcing that, you may not necessarily think you need to do that, but Joe found out the hard way. Yep. That's those defense too. Because uh, every year, you know, it's a different team with, with a different agenda and different skill sets. And this group, I, I would say in many respects, is built to be an elite defensive team, even more so than some of the others. When you look at just what they're able to do at the point of attack, which is which is the ball handling. Uh, they've got two of the better on-ball defenders in the NBA. And I, I think once Drew and Derek get into a flow, get into a rhythm, they're going to force teams to not be able to get into their offensive sets as quickly as they'd like. And I think you're going to see a lot of possessions where the ball movement by opponents isn't going to be uh, flowing the way they want to until there's like same digits left with a shot clock. And for a defense, mm-hmm. that's great. Uh, that means that you're really taking them out of what they want to do from a comfort standpoint. So I, I think Joe understands the need that he, the role that he has to play in these guys becoming a better defensive team or at least a more consistently elite defensive because their numbers at the end of the year by you know as a whole look great but we all know that there was there are a number of pockets where they just weren't very good and other pockets of time when they were off the charts good finding a better balance between being elite defensively consistently and not just peaks and valleys that's really what's going to i think have a big say in how far this team goes this year. right and not blowing yeah. four leads that's a that's a big number and, and that was a good a good line by him. You know, I you know, I wasn't good on offense, so I had to bring it every night. I just assume that's what guys do. And the effort's part of it. John says it all the time, too, when we have our offense-defense debate. You just try hard defensively, you'll be good. But there was a coaching aspect to it the year before. They had a scheme with Rob that worked really good. You heard Ime drilling in film sessions, the switching and the system that they were running there. And then Joe came in and tinkered with some things. They dropped more. They played more of an analytical style of defense, which I think you can still be good with, but you have to drill it. You have to be on top of it, and you have to be correcting stuff when guys blow assignments or just aren't sharp on their uh, switches or whatever it might be out there. I, I just don't think it was enough of an emphasis last year, and it wasn't just about try hard, you know, give it your all out there, bring it tonight. It, there was some schematic stuff last year that I thought really lapsed as well as lineups. And like Joe Sway said, and I think you feel this way too, uh, Sherrod, having the bigger lineup out there for more of the game is going to allow them to be more disruptive, not to mention having a shot blocker. One of the biggest things I felt like this team came into the summer saying was we didn't force enough turnovers last year. We got to get back. I think they were top 13 in 
forced turnovers, number one in isolation defense that year uh, under Ime. Those two numbers last year, when you look at the defense, were the biggest reasons that they dropped off and just didn't look the same. I know they were number two. I know that they had some great stretches last year, but they were inconsistent. Yeah, well, you've got a head coach who's not going to be on top of guys, but on that end of the floor. You know what I mean? Like, if you don't have someone that's going to be reinforcing that that identity, then that's what's going to happen. I felt like a lot of the times, especially when the Celtics were struggling, his idea was to sort of fix things up on the offensive end of the floor, whereas on the defensive side, I, I just didn't – I felt like he never really held guys accountable. You know, we made a lot – uh, about how many, uh, you know, the volume with three-pointers throughout the course of the season. And, you know, that was a, a – he made a joke about that during training camp. You know what I mean? Like, that was always – Remember like, he was like, was, our offense will set up our defense. Yeah, exactly. Like, that it was that, that I felt like he carried in throughout the entire season. And then the same thing happened with the with the players. They all were thinking the same way. Like, you know, we can shoot ourselves out of this deficit. You know, oh, we just didn't have it tonight. The shots didn't fall. You know, instead of trying to pick things up on the defensive end and, and, and you know, not – not say, oh, we'll just get him next time, and when we find our shot, you know that that was that was such a cop out. I felt like, and it, it, we heard it a lot throughout the course of the season. Yeah, well, we'll I see. thought they were solid defensively tonight. It was a good start on that, and especially yeah, Porzingis at the point of attack. And Sherrod, yeah. you, I want to go back to your comment that he can't be your anchor. Uh, yeah, so who's it gonna be? Got to be Tatum, man, or Brown, one of those guys, both of them. Yeah, I mean, the two guys who have talked about being all NBA defense. Yeah. They, I mean, they have clearly made that their goal, and they've, they've verbalized that. When has Porzingis said he wanted to be an anchor defensive? When has he ever said he wanted to be an anchor defensive? I was just about to say, that shit. I don't need to hear him say it. I just need to see him do it. Yeah, but. We're still waiting on that one. Eight years of the game, we're still waiting on that one. And the other thing, I'm not saying this to crap on Porzingis because I think he's a good player. But I also know that he's a player that has a very specific skill set and plays a very specific role. And anchoring my defense is not that role. And that's okay. That's okay because that, just like Al Horford, your role is not to be my best scorer. You're, you're, everyone on this team has a very clear role. And for Zingas is to be a solid defender and not necessarily my anchor. He, he can be solid. And I thought tonight was great. We, before you came on, Bobby, I was actually talking about how that, to me, was more impressive than what he did scoring-wise, the way he defended. But that being said, I'm not banking on him to be my anchor defensively. I, I want either Al or Brown or Tatum, one of those three, or Drew, or Drew. Drew one is of great those tonight. has to be. And Drew, I think, is going to be an important part of the defense because he's your, he's your arguably the best on-ball defender. J.J. Reddick on the ESPN broadcast talked about that. You know, among NBA players, they view Drew as the best on-ball defender in the NBA. And so that's the kind of guy with that type of, of, you know, credibility among players that should be your anchor. I mean, can you imagine, you know, having a conversation where you're, you're talking with NBA players and you're talking about defensive anchors and they say, well, what about Porzingis? How do you, you think the reaction is that going to be? Like Joe Sway's face right now. <laughs> exactly. And again, it's not it's not that he's a bad defender per se. No, I know what you're saying. He's yeah. not a guy that should be your anchor, especially when you look at the guys that are around him. Right. That's I mean, that's why they essentially brought Drew Holiday in, right? Just to have a defensive anchor, have another guy or a guy that they know is already established. I mean, people can say what they want, you know, before the trade, right? Oh, you haven't replaced Marcus. Oh, how are you gonna where are you gonna well? Here he is. Here it is. Here's Drew Holiday. And I don't think anyone can dispute that. Whether people want to say it's an upgrade or not, I mean, regardless of where you stand in that conversation, if you ask me, it is an upgrade, honestly. But, you know, if you don't agree with that, you can't say that it's not that far off between the two, you know. So I, I think that's a big part of why this team is favored to, to win the East, especially when you when you compare them neck and neck to a team like the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. One, one of the call, uh, someone in, in the chat mentioned, and this is a really good point. Uh, they brought up how, how Drew got coached by Jimmy Butler in the playoffs. And he did. Drew got absolutely filleted. But that's Jimmy. not the goal, post, the goal post anymore, man. I don't know if you ask me. But, but what are you the, gonna... the point is that's the type of player that you, in theory, will be coming across in the playoffs. And I, I get that point. But here's my thing. Jimmy Butler filleted a lot of good defenders. And Jimmy Butler does that. But are you – do you, do you seriously think that's going to – like, I don't believe that that will be if the, the Celtics' demise that Jimmy Butler outperforms Drew Holiday. Uh, and to be candid with you, you know, Drew, that 
when you look at Drew's body of work as a defender, that was maybe one of maybe two or three playoff series in his entire career where he wasn't playing at a high elite level. And last night, and people say, well, maybe he's on the downfall. I'm not buying that because they just came out with the NBA's all defensive first team last year. And guess who's on first team? Joe Holiday. So True. the idea that you could go from being an all NBA first team defensive player to being crap just like that, I'm not buying. He may not be at the level he was three or five years ago, but Drew Holiday is better than a significant number of point guards from a defensive standpoint in the NBA now. Yeah, and that's a worse team defense, too, in Milwaukee, believe it or not, because I know they were the number one defense last year, but he was taking on bigger assignments because they don't have a lot of great perimeter defenders out there aside from him and Giannis. Maybe Bobby Portis is just a couple, but they had more weak links. I feel like Holiday's going to be able to play on some weaker offensive players and help switch onto the best players and actions and attack off ball which I thought he did a great job with tonight. I think he had three steals in this one, and he's the guy I want to look back on most when I rewatch this game and just see all the different angles he attacked from defensively. I thought he was great out there. And in terms of what they needed from him, Josue, I think they needed that quarterback out there who's going to direct everything and be at the front of their communication. Because I don't know if Porzingis does that out there. It's a good question. Um, Tatum Brown, I don't think they traditionally did that in recent years. It was smart. Uh, and White's still working on his communication, too, as he tries to become a louder voice. But Drew's obviously the guy to me, the most obvious one, uh, who would lead that defensive uh, communication out there. So we'll see how that develops over the course of the preseason. Last one, I, w- I don't know if uh, you got a chance to react to it, Sherrod, but obviously Celtics signed Pritchard to an extension today, $30 million oh, over yeah. four years. Uh, what do you think of that deal? Great. I mean, it's a great deal for, I think, both sides. We, we, we talked a little bit about it earlier. And, and my, my yeah, we love that. Yeah, my thing with that deal is it, the Celtics are rewarding him for what they think he's going to do and not necessarily for what he's done already. And that's a little bit unusual because most teams try to find that happy meeting between showing, you know, some type of monetary nod to what you've done, but showing that, you know, we think you're going to get better and we're going to pay a little bit more uh, for that. Uh, Pritchard has not done much as a Celtic up to this point, uh, to be very frank and candid. And again, I, I blame a lot of that on the fact that he just hasn't had opportunities to make a difference. He's going to get that now. And the Celtics are willing to bank on him basically outperforming his contract. And really, he doesn't have to do a lot to outperform his contract. Uh, he just needs to basically play the role that he's being given and be consistent with it. Uh, Payton doesn't have to go out there and average 15 points a game, but if he can get you six or seven points, and like 14, 15 minutes a game, that's gonna win you. That's gonna win you some games on some nights where Tatum might be six for 19, and some days where Jalen Brown will have seven, eight turnovers, six of which come with the left hand. Um, and that's another conversation that I'm not gonna get into today. But I, 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 that left hand still looks a little bit wobbly to me. It's not nearly as tight a handle as I thought it would be. Uh, but that again. We can talk about that another time because my gut tells me that we're going to have more games and we're going to be talking about that. I don't know if that's the hand that he signed that, that contract with, though, you know? I don't no, know. I know he did. <laughs> All right, so we're going to Pritchard finished with a game high, 26 points in uh, today's 114-106 win against the 76ers. Here's what he had to snatch in the game. Uh, really good. I mean, just to be secure, you know, lock it, lock it in, and then, you know, be a part of a, a great organization, a great city. Obviously, I think this is the best basketball organization and city in the in the NBA. So, it um feels good. Feels right, good. So that was contract. That was about the contract, but I'm sure it does. Damon, thirty million. That's not about good for anybody. But yeah, look, Pritchard, like you said, Sherrod, this is about what he's going to do and they believe in him. I think, I don't, I don't think there's ever been that, that doubt, but like you said earlier in the show, there's just always been guards that were head and shoulders above him in the, uh, the depth chart, you know, and trading Malcolm Brogdon away is a big part of that. You know, he knew going in what this was going to be. And maybe the Celtics just said, look, let's just, this deadline is looming. If, if, if he starts cooking early, right, like he did tonight, and he, he, this carries on to the regular season, maybe he holds off those talks. So it's good for the Celtics to go ahead and and uh, income to a deal now instead of trying to uh, head into negotiations with with the competing teams to, to uh, that are offering him more money in the in the off season. 
So it's good. I, I, I'd be interested in it. Obviously, it's, it's neither here nor there, but if the Celtics didn't pull the trigger and get Drew Holiday, would Peyton Pritchard sign an extension? I'm not sure he would have. No. Because, because well, the I mean, at this price, Gerard, this is a great price for them. Yeah, it's still a good price. But if you're Peyton Pritchard, if there wasn't a Drew Holiday, oh, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. You're like, wait a minute, this is what you're gonna pay your starting point guard? Okay, I get what you're saying. Yeah. You then become probably the biggest bargain basement, you know, potential starter slash backup point guard in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, and so I Drew Holiday in the mix. You know, you're coming off the bench in some capacity. But if he wasn't around, if you wasn't on this team, you might potentially start. Mm-hmm. Uh, wouldn't be completely out of out of the question if there wasn't a Drew Holiday around. So uh, the Celtics, I think they did right by by everyone involved. I think they did right by Peyton giving him a, a contract that again is is going to reward him as he grows into playing, being more of a, a rotational player. Uh, and for Peyton, this ability. I mean, he's a late first round pick. He was a 26th overall pick in 2020. Uh, to ink a deal that's paying you. You know, seven and a half million a year. That's a to- going to be a total thirty. You're going to come out of this with thirty million dollars, uh, and you may not start more than twenty five percent of the games, and you've got thirty million base. So I'm, again, it works for everyone. The Celtics, it gives you. It certainly is a, is a deal that is a team friendly deal, and for Peyton, you know, it gives you some stability that you didn't have. Definitely, absolutely. Well, we'll see how the Celtics do. Uh, game two. Happens in less than 24 hours. Uh, so let's head out to New York to the Knicks. I'll uh, I'll be there. Bobby's heading to New York as well. Uh, Gerard, are you coming? Uh, you hopping on? You hopping on show tomorrow? No, you got an off day. You don't I do second night to back. I might, yeah. but I may not. Definitely not coming to New York. I got to pay. Right. Damn. Oh no, no, no worries, man. As long as you hop on the show, that's all I'm asking. All right, cool. <laughs> nah, we don't need, to, we need to see you in New York. That's cool. As long as you hop on the show, we need those takes. Yeah. All right, that's what we need. All right, he's Hayes Sherrod Blakely. I am Joseph Pavone, uh, Bobby Manning. Uh, we want to go head out to the uh, – well, not out to the court, right? We're going to go do our uh, – our, We'll go upstairs, our segments. Yeah. We'll do our segments upstairs. We'll finish uh, recapping this one. Celtics beat the Philadelphia 76ers. First preseason game, 114 to 106 is your final score. Uh, stay tuned for uh, our reports from Bobby, Bobby and I. Uh, plenty of content coming from New York. Uh, very excited about that. And uh, everything in between, right? CLNS Media. I'm Joseph Pavone. That's going to do it for this episode of the Celtics post game show. Celtics beat the Sixers 114 to 106, 1 and 0 to start the preseason. And uh, game two is tomorrow. Uh, everyone in the comment section, man, we, uh, I know we didn't get a lot to your comments here, but we got, all right, here we go. We got one. Guard report another year. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. I know you guys are giving us a lot of flack here, but we just, we just got into too into the conversation, I guess, right, guys? I don't know. Uh, I mean, we, blame you, Joe Sway. That's all. I'm just blaming all right, you. Yeah, all right, just blame me. It's, it's all. It's all me. It's all me. You know, but I had to. I had to respond to that one guy. All right, who mentioned uh, Paul Paul Pierce calling out one of those reports? No, that wasn't me. Damn it! All right, that was not me. Right, Bobby? That wasn't me. That wasn't you. You weren't there. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I thought you were gonna be like, nah, that was you. Nah, see, I wasn't even there. there you that go. wasn't you, Joe Sway. No, it wasn't me. Oh, okay. I mean, the base is similar, but come on, y'all know, y'all know, y'all know Joe Sway's voice. Come on, stop playing. <laughs> All right, I'm out of here. We'll see you guys tomorrow night. That's gonna do it. Uh, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you guys.